Hello and welcome to episode number 305 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I'm Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me today are Amanda and Elise. Again, it's time for a little bit more from Romantic Times. We're chatting about Romantic Times while we're still there. This was recorded over lunch and wine, uh, the delays of extensive editing. We have several conversations and some bits you might have heard as part of our live show as well. We talk about books. We talk about our pets. We talk about more books. We talk about publisher news and random other things. We have a discussion as to why the Hitman plot works for Elise, but not for me. I think it has to do with the villain thing that we covered in the last episode and why Elise thinks male, male spy and adventure stories are popular. I also ask Amanda and Elise, who are a little younger than I am, about their impressions and understanding of category romance. We talk about gothic, horror, and suspense. And please keep in mind, I, I ask questions, but I am as full of crap as anyone when it comes to discussing trends. So if I ask a question, that's not because that question is my opinion. I'm mostly curious what they think. And of course, we're going to talk about what was up with the creepy dolls in Amanda's mom's walk-in closet. This podcast is being brought to you by Whiskey Sharp Torn by Lauren Dane. Bo Petty has been searching his whole life for a place that fills all the empty spaces, for a way to tame his restlessness, for answers to a secret that he has never stopped trying to solve. What he has not been searching for was a woman to claim all of him. But when Cora Silvera walks back into his life, he's ready to search out all the ways that he can make her his. Cora has spent her life as the family nurturer taking care of others, and now she is ready to pass that job onto someone else. It is time to make some changes and live for herself. And that is the moment when her former teenage crush reappears, and the heat of their instant connection is like nothing either of them has experienced before. Bo thinks Cora has had enough drama, and he wants to protect her from the secrets of his past, even if it means holding back the last pieces of himself. But Cora is no pushover, and she means to claim every one of those pieces, because sometimes what you find is not what you are searching for. Whiskey Sharp Torn by Lauren Dane is on sale now and available wherever books are sold. Every episode gets a transcript, and this week's transcript is brought to you by everyone who supports the podcast Patreon. Thank you, guys. I deeply appreciate it. You are all lovely humans. Each episode gets a transcript to make the podcast accessible to everyone. And when there's not a sponsor, the Patreon group helps me fund those transcripts individually. And thank you to Garlic Knitter who transcribes each episode. I also have compliments, which are really fun parts of my intro. Yay! To Rachel D. Two of your friends from elementary school have named pets that they love after you, but they are too embarrassed to say so. You are that memorable. And to Karen R., the reason there's always a pause when someone leaves you a voicemail is because your voice is so incredible, people are dumbstruck by how great it is, and they have to remember how to talk. Now, if you would like a compliment of your own, or if you would like to support this here podcast, please have a look at our podcast Patreon at patreon.com slash smartbitches. The podcast Patreon community helps me in innumerable, immeasurable ways, and every pledge, starting with as little as $1 a month, makes a deeply appreciated difference. I also want to thank some of the podcast Patreon folks personally. So to Kelsey, May or Mai, whichever one it is, I'm sorry, Catherine, Joanna, and Andrea, thank you so much for being part of the podcast Patreon. Are there other ways to support the show? Absolutely. Sing along if you know the words. Leave a review wherever you listen. That makes a massive difference. Tell a friend. 
subscribe, whatever works. But thank you very much for hanging out with me each week as we, you know, talk about romance and a bunch of other stuff. We have a podcast email address and it is sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And I just realized that Gmail, as it applied new filters and reinvented itself in the last few weeks, had filed a whole bunch of messages from you guys in the spam and I just fished them out and I'm like super embarrassed. So if you sent me an email and I didn't reply, uh, whoa, am I sorry about that? I had no idea. I missed them entirely. So I'm going to be doing some replying. And if you emailed me and you didn't hear back from me, please email me again. I'm super sorry about that. Gmail and I are going to have some words, mostly on my end, and they're going to be bad words. But you can email me anytime at sbjpodcast at gmail.com or sarah, S-A-R-A-H, at smartbitchestrashybooks.com. Damn, Gmail, super pain in my butt. Coming up at the end of this episode, I have an email with some audiobook recommendations for you. And as always, I will be telling you what is coming up on the website this coming week. I have a super terrible bad joke, super bad. And just as we do every week, I will have links to all of the books and television shows and movies that we talk about. And I will have links to any news or, you know, pieces of information you might want to check out. The podcast entry is always at smartbitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Atwater. I will have information at the end of the show also as to who this is and where you can buy it for your very own. And if you would like to suggest music or uh, send me music, I have to have the rights to rebroadcast it on a podcast. You can't just be like, here's my favorite song, because um, if I could do that, you'd be really horrified by what I listen to. But if you would like to contribute music to the show that you have the rights to do so, please email me. I love discovering new artists and new music. And it's super cool to hear what cool things you guys listen to as well. And oops, I almost forgot. At time marker 1335 to 1400, there is a spoiler for the Iron Druid series. So if you don't want to be spoiled, skip ahead 30 seconds at 1330. And now, on with the podcast. We're doing updates on RT on is it day two? Yeah. Yes. Why does it? Well, because the blogger, <laughs> the blogger con messes with my head because then I think it's that's day one and then Wednesday is day two. Yeah. Two. So my brain is like the actual conference though. It's the actual conference day one, day two. Yeah. yeah. So you had cool shit happen. Yeah. Um. Well, I went to the Kensington Publisher Spotlight um, and they revealed the cover of Rebecca Zanetti's new romantic suspense series that they're publishing. And I'd love to feature this cover on cover off, but it would not translate digitally because of the cover treatment. The cover treatment features a woman and the woman is in like, I think this kind of flat matte uh, material or paper. And then the background is like this shiny paper. So it it definitely stands out and like catches the light. Um, yeah, it was really neat. I mean, but what's the series about? I don't know. You <laughs> <laughs> just looked at the cover. It's fine. Yeah, because um, you had me at romantic suspense confession. I it took me a minute to realize that everyone's bag or badge um, holder says Rebecca Zanetti on yes. it. So there was a moment where I, like I thought I was looking at Rebecca Zanetti, but it, it was just another person. <laughs> 
she was sitting in front of me in the Kensington thing. She seemed very nice. Um, but yeah, and I got some books from Kensington, which I'm very excited about. Um, Hot and Badgered and High Risk, which is the next Simona Arnstedt's book. That's huge. Yeah, it's a huge arc. The finished copy also has like a very shiny cover treatment, too. How many pages is that? Ooh, let's see. We're going to peek on in here. That book is really quite large. Yeah. 533. That's a big book. I feel like the first one was a regular size. The second one was a little thicker. And this is might that be the, the second one. one after All In? This is the third That's one. That's the third one. Uh, All In, the next one had a purple cover. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it was purple and I think had a red head on it. Um, and so this is the third one and it's red and has a man in a suit on it. Well, I can tell you because I have my laptop here as I'm, you know, doing work because that's how I roll. She has falling. Then all in. All in. Then high risk. All in's the first one. Yeah. No, I think. Oh, yeah, you're right. I'll just buy them all. All in's blue. Whatever. Falling is purple. One click buy. High risk is red. And then. The Spanish covers are really pretty. I mean, that's usually the way it goes. It's like the torso of a woman in a really pretty ball gown. Yeah, the foreign editions are nice. Solo esta noche, only this night, only a secret, and only an adventure. Oh, and they're gorgeous. It's the same series? It's the silhouette of a woman in a dress. Of course, her head is chopped off. But it's against a long exposure of a city, so there's like traffic lights going by in the background. Those are really gorgeous. Damn. I also had a really cute moment in the hallway coming up to Sarah's room. Oh my gosh. My all you told me about this and all <laughs> of my insides melted. Um so I was wearing my badge and this older couple stopped me and wanted to know what the convention was, what was going on. And so I was talking to them about what it is and how it's authors and readers and industry people and they told me how great it was that they were seeing um, stuff for trans people here because they're like, we had a grandson who is now our, gr- no, we had a granddaughter who is now our grandson. Um, and it's they're like, it's a learning process and we love seeing stuff like this. And it was oh, just so sweet. Um, yeah. And I told them about like how there are several LGBT publishers if they're interested in, you know, getting anything and they're asking, like, where can we buy these? Are they in stores on their own site? Um, so it was really sweet. <laughs> RT is not great for, like, as many books as I bring home, I buy a shit ton, too. Yeah. I feel like one-click buy should just be on my gravestone when I die. Like, that's... <laughs> she one-click bought. If they ever do that with yarn, I'm fucked. <laughs> one click buy for one, yarn. One click buy for yarn, and then they just oh, ship it to you. that would be very bad. Rich sent me a photo of my spot on the couch, which is entirely covered in dewy hair, because he's laying there looking at Rich like, you're a failure, where's the other one? I miss my cat so much. I know. <laughs> I know mine, both dogs take up my side of the bed when I'm not home, so when I get back, Zeb's gonna be like, oh, you wanna sleep here, huh? Once Linus here. realizes that, like, I'm gone, he won't sleep in the bed. He'll go up and sleep with my roommate because she's home. So, like, 
You are an acceptable replacement human for this time period. I feel like Fisher is too dumb to know I'm gone. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda and I were talking about his personality and she nailed it that he's like, he's so happy and overjoyed by everything, but also really dumb and like would not survive without adult supervision at all times. (laughs) Gee, mister. What do you got in that van? So wait, Amanda, you went to the Kensington thing and they had an announcement. Was yeah. it the Kensington Spotlight? Yes. It was the Kensington- Where they hit you with chocolates? Yeah. I was pelted. <laughs> I was beamed. Like if this it was like buckshot, but with Hershey kisses. Um they said it hadn't officially launched in January. Um, but Kensington has a digital sci-fi and fantasy line now. It's called Rebel Base. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I um, like that. Yeah. They said it launched in January. I'm not sure. They didn't discuss what authors, um, are in it yet. Um, and yeah, I mean, it doesn't focus on romance. It's sci-fi fantasy. Some might have romantic elements in it. Um, but it sounded really neat. I want to poke around and see what they've got. But yeah, I think that's pretty pretty dang cool. So Rich reads a lot of sci-fi fantasy. Well, he listens to it on audio. And since we share an Audible account now, he's listening to romance novels too. We did a podcast and everything. Yeah. So there's this Iron Druid series that he loves. And I they just like finished series. They just finished the last book. And he comes storming into the living room. And he's like, you've ruined me. And I said, what do you mean <laughs> I've ruined you? He goes, they ended the series. And like, super spoilers, sorry. They did not wind up together. Yeah, he fucked up, but where's the groveling? They're supposed to be groveling. I don't have my closure. The series is done. I'm never going to get my closure, Elise. And I'm just like, oh my god. Oh, I'm no. so sorry. Dude, we, we, have, we, have, we have failed you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm doing work while I do this, but ad changeover day is coming, so I need no, to we're load good. shit up. I gotta go do work later. And so, by work, I mean like finish reading this book. So it's hard when that's your job, isn't it, man? It's did so you guys hard. see the 3D ads? What 3D? Ads? Oh, what? Where? Okay, so either the ads okay, are. So please know because I wear bifocals, none of this shit works on me. Okay. So I need you to give me a because it's not going to work on me. So I'm either just get dizzy. Either the ads are actually 3D or I have something neurological going on that I should be concerned <laughs> about. So first of all, because we're in a casino. Like on the ground floor, the doors and windows are all tinted because they don't want you to be able to tell what time of day it is outside. So when you walk down the hallway, it's like either red or blue and it's really weird. So you're walking down this hallway with marble floors or faux marble floors or whatever and like the color light reflecting on it. And there's basically like one wall is a TV screen playing ads. Yeah. And there's one for this author and it's like – I didn't catch the author, but it's a romantic suspense. So it's got like newsprint about a crime or something in the background. And then like the face of the character off the cover of the book floating in front of it. So when you're standing there with like the weird red light shining on you and then the 3D ad immediately in front of you, it's one of those things like where you watch TV on the treadmill and all of a sudden you're like, I can't walk anymore. My brain, (laughs) my brain cannot process what's about to happen. And you just kind of want to fall down. So the fact that I didn't just like collapse in the hallway i was very 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 proud of that you should be very proud of that i on the treadmill i don't know what it is but i cannot run in a straight line (laughs) on a treadmill i'm just like weaving and you've got like like, evasive maneuvers programmed in yeah i 
but like on a track i'm fine but there's just something about the treadmill that make puts me off balance i don't like it so i saw an ad that got me to buy a book so that was exciting um She's not here, but Meredith Wilde is starting a series about a hitman, huh. which is my catnip. Okay. Why is that? What What is it about the hitman plot that really does it for you? Because, it, okay, so like it's two, it's twofold. First of all, um, I blame the John Wick movies okay. for quite a bit of it. Also, what was the movie with Natalie Portman in it? Was the it Leon? Leon? No, Leon the Professional. Leon yes. the Professional. Yes. I loved that movie. It tore my heart out of my chest. Little baby Natalie Portman. So, like, it's kind of the... I think because the the hitman mythos, like, when you're reading the books, they only kill bad people. So there's, like, a set of rules that you're still following, right? So there's a structure to it. And also, like, I just think that if I ever actually dated or married a bad person, he'd be like, well, what do you want for your birthday? And I'd be like... So there's this cat at the shelter who was really horribly abused. Can you just take care of those people for me? And he'd be like, sure, baby. And that would be it. Like, I feel like there are people who don't need to be on this earth. And that's probably not a great thing. So the assassin part for you is more about a somewhat morally ambiguous but he's killing bad guys. Of justice. Right. So there's exactly. a justice there's element. There's a justice element. Like a vigilante. Like in John Wick, they killed his dog. Of course you're going to fucking kill them. You're going to kill every motherfucker in the room. Like, that's all 100%. I need to do. I have no problem with any violence. I mean, I can't watch it personally. Right. But like you kill It all dog, makes sense. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to kill every motherfucker in the room. I yeah. have no problems. I understand. I am with you. Go ahead. So with the with the hitman romances that you like and the assassin romances that you like, it is about the, the sort of the vigilante dispensing of appropriate justice right i mean it's kind of like Like a shit fuckers got away with things we need to balance the scales right it's it's what 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 like ruby rose in xander cage and she's shooting the hunters it's douchebag season it's douchebag hunting season okay i I want you to know i we watched that movie because i knew it would be like intricate stunts and doing crazy shit and um having all these cool basically stuntmen right doing things the minute she was like aiming the gun at the lion my son was like mom mom (laughs) what is this i'm like no 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 keep watching so she and then she's like what are you doing i'm evening the odds she aims the gun at the hunters who are who are close who are basically um what's it called when you're game hunting poaching poaching and then there's also that form of hunting where they like isolate the animals so you can't miss right because nothing says hunting yeah nothing says i have a giant dick like killing an animal in an enclosed environment because Mm -hmm. it's easier for you to fuckers so she's shooting the hunters who are doing this um trophy poaching (laughs) the whole thing happens and she doesn't shoot them lethally like she shoots them in the hand she shoots them in the leg and he was just like that was awesome like this right? is exactly the kind of movie for you that, that that's a very specific thing like the triple x movies and the fast and the furious movies they're like stunt adventure movies yeah and it's like yes people die in the background like but they're all bad people so we don't care we're just like we're just willing to like okay you had to kill some bad people i understand so for you the assassin or hitman plot rests on the idea that he's dispensing appropriate vigilante justice right and that he's got all set- those people like a Dexter scenario. Yeah, exactly. Like there's an internal logic to what he's doing so it's not just randomly killing people for money. All right, I get it. I 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. There's a couple of actually male male assassin books that I have on my TBR. Oh, are they the? Um... Is, did Did Helen K. Diamond write male assassins like Mister and Mister Smith? Or are they? She. They were agents. spies. They were spies. That's different. So there is, and I think Laura has Lauren. I feel bad. I'm a terrible person. I got her. Um, to sign a book yesterday and i think helen k actually recommended her she writes the whiskey sharp series i think lauren it day. is um no not it's like lauren rain whiskey i think sharp is lauren day. no then i'm thinking of something else um layla rain and her series is is it the the whiskey malt yes it's series? like the first book i think is single malt and then it's like cask something they've got like whiskey titles right so there's that there's been a lot of male male like spy and um assassin type stuff coming out lately which makes my heart so happy i wonder why i think a lot of it has to do with the fact that there are a lot of franchises that don't have strong female leads and so there's a lot of fan fiction between um male leads and like action movies because they're the most developed that's my assumption um it's where death meets the devil by lj hayward and it's about a spy and an assassin who should be like enemies but have to team up to get out of a really bad situation and so it's kind of like a temporary alliance and it's supposedly very action oriented which i'm very excited for and then there was another one these are all out by the way and it's one where the hero finds out his next door neighbor or like the guy in the apartment across the way is actually like a hitman. But up it until happens. right, but like up until now they've got along really great. It's just he happens to be a hitman. I think there's a cute dog in that one too. No, but the cover on that one's really good too. So now I need to find it. It would help if I didn't have nine thousand fucking Kindle books to scroll through because clearly I have zero impulse control. So let me ask you a question that I have put very little thought behind, but I'm now pondering. Okay. So so HarperCollins bought Harlequin. Yeah. Because they wanted their international distribution channels. And there's all of these category romances. Yeah. And a lot of lines are closing. Mm-hmm. Do you think there is still a market for category romance? I have never read a category romance. I read Ever. a lot of category romance when I first was getting into romance, specifically. They were a gateway for so many people. Specifically, Harlequin Presents. Like, that was, I went from reading my mom's, like, Victoria Holt and Phyllis Whitney, which have a lot of Presents, like, themes you have, like, tend to have an older hero who's powerful and maybe a little more mysterious. Right. International settings. So Wealth, I went from. Opulence. Right. I feel like what category does well is that with each line, it's kind of a shorthand for, you know, what you're getting into. Yes, that's very true. Um, like they have a like a medical romance line. And if that's your thing, they have an entire right. selection for you. And then like Nocturne, I think, is their paranormal romance line. So it's a good shorthand for I like these things. Here is, you know, hundreds and hundreds of books that have something to do with this one trope or feeling or genre that i enjoy um but yeah i don't know if that's sustainable 
The book I was looking for is Warriors Cross by Madeline Ur- Urban and Abigail Rue for the show notes. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I feel like I found so many authors through their category backlist. I mean, I found Helen K. Diamond through category romance because she used to write, I think, silhouette suspense, whatever their suspense line was. I don't remember. Um, no, Intrigue was Harlequin. Intimate Moments or something. But, I mean, you even if you look at, like, the really big-name authors, they all started in category romance. I think J.R. Ward did, as Jessica Bird wrote category romance. Yeah, she wrote category. But it's interesting to me, one of the things that the sort of survey and overview that um, Elizabeth Lane did that I spoke to her about on the podcast was looking at she was specifically looking at when did GLBT characters start showing up in category. But the thing that she realized and looked at that I was gravitating towards was the fact that there were so many readers, or excuse me, so many writers who moved from category to single title. That was the path. Now you have so many writers who start from fanfic to self-published. Right. And there isn't so much a differentiation among self-published writers between category and single title it's just it's novella short whatever they call it whatever they want so you have more writers coming into the genre from fanfic one of the things i think the genre struggles with is its inclusivity of people and readers who are currently reading ya and reading fanfic and spending all their time on wattpad are probably more accustomed to seeing a more inclusive representation in the characters that they read. And if they get to romance and it's like none but white straight people, they're going to be like, well, fuck this. And they're going to go elsewhere. I think that in the lack of diversity and inclusivity in category, specifically category published by publishers, not category length books that are self-published because there's obviously much more. It's time to do the grocery cart. Obviously much more inclusivity within the self-published because that's why they're self-published. That particular area, the specifically the publisher-generated category romances, I don't know if there's going to be anything in the future there if the readers who are coming into the genre at this point are expecting to see things that they're not going to find and there. So I think this is anecdotal. But- I love some anecdata. <laughs> who said we need to know what we're talking about? We'll yeah. Up. I, oh, I feel as though readers who are my age – I'm 29, by the way – readers who are my age and younger – Aren't reading category romances. No, I don't. I think that the similarity, like you were pointing out with self-published and categories, you know what you're getting. Like a lot of self-published books are like her secret bosses, baby. I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, this is what you are getting. I'm going to put it right on the title. And you're right. It's filling that shorter length need where you don't want a book that's 500 pages. You want a book that's 175. Right. Exactly. And I kind of feel like at this point, Harlequin's just going to run out of titles. <laughs> oh, I'm sure they've got duplicates. There's got to be like a generator, like some some massive supercomputer in the basement that's just generating category romance titles at this point. Okay, that's very funny. Well, anything else you want to say? Yeah, I want to talk about that author I found yesterday, but I had to look her up. Okay, so... I, I want to hear all about it, so go for it. So I found this author I'd never heard of at the Romantic Suspense Party, and she writes their really thrillers more so than romantic suspense. Her name is KJ Howe, H-O-W-E. We really need a better vocabulary for the different flavors of suspense. It's like 
contemporary. It's too big of a title, title yeah. to fully encompass. Like you, there, like you could be talking about romantic suspense with like nineteen pages of entrails and violence, right? And I could be talking about suspense where like there's some fighting on an airplane and some exotic adventuring, like romancing the stone. Those are two different things. I think she writes what I would probably describe. It's it's a reoccurring character. So it's like thrillers with fucking and a romantic arc that kind of goes through the thrillers with fucking. Thrillers with fucking. This is why I should be a marketing. Uh, the oh. thrillers with fucking. I can't genre. believe Walmart and Target haven't just snapped you right up. Right. <laughs> Imagine that on a bookshelf title. Thrillers with thrillers fucking. With fucking. I work in transportation. We got to be real fucking specific here. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, back to K.J. Howe. It's a series of books about a woman who is a kidnapping and ransom um, specialist. So like, you know, how you hear about businessmen and stuff getting kidnapped in foreign countries and being held for ransom. She's like the person who comes in and manages that process to bring them back. And her dark past is that her brother as a child was kidnapped and never found again. So this is like all of my catnip. In fact, I got back to the room and I had to call my mom and tell her about this book because like that's <laughs> that's her catnip as well. And she's like, you better let me read that when you're done. I'm kind of bummed that I don't have a recording of that conversation. Like, ma, ma, I found this book. I got to tell you about it. Oh, tell me all the things. Well, she's from Chicago, so she doesn't oh, do the O. Oh. She's got the Chicago. She's got the hard A kind yeah. of sound. Yeah. It's very close to the, the Pittsburgh accent that I grew up yeah. with. Sounds like that. Yeah, that's exactly what it sounds like. Yeah. yeah. Next time I'll just bring bring that there. We'll just record at Rhinebeck somehow. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Oh God. Um, so yeah, no, I'm really excited for that. Thrillers with fucking. Because you have thrillers with fucking. You have psychological horror. Because I think that yes. a lot of the on I think a lot of the unreliable narrator, female centered, um, creeptastic much trafficking and revenge stories that we're seeing. That's a crossover, I think, between suspense and horror. Like, there's a horror element to those books. And there's, like, a, a throwback to gothics, too, because gothics, totally. you never knew. Like, you definitely wanted to bone the hero, but he also <laughs> he also might be very bad. There's this, I have to find it. Speaking of gothics, while you're yes. looking, Kensington mentioned that they're looking to acquire some gothic romances. Oh, Sarah, I have want. to quit my job. <laughs> I can do this. Do you want to acquire them or do you want to write them? I feel like I could I could write all the gothics. No, I you really could not write the gothics, eh? I can't write creatively to save oh, my I life. Why think Gillies can write a gothic, eh? What do you think? Set in the plains of Wisconsin. I don't know. Oh, well, we saw I, that girl in the field and we knew she was dead. So I we don't know who we believe would be able to keep, like, the, the setting, like... I feel like Elise would just get frustrated and, like, type something in there that's, like, what? This doesn't fit at all. And he's like, well, just fuck this stupid thing. And just writes really out of character. So the comment about the body in the field, I watched a Dateline recently about a woman who uh, went missing and was found dead in Green Bay, Wisconsin, not far from where I work. And actually in the uh, last scene in the bar, I did a Christmas party in recently. I was like, oh, sweet. So anyway, people from Green Bay and the upper Midwest were like, we're basically Canadian is what it amounts to. We just are. You're basically like Canadian light. Can Lord, we're Canadian light, right. And You're so diet Canadian. So it's like Diet Coke, only Canadian. So the blonde Canadian zero. Yes. <laughs> the blonde dateline lady is trying to get the cops to talk about this case like in a really dramatic way. You know how they always do the thing where like at, what? 
No, they're, they always lead the question. It's always, they always repeat the fucking question. They're always like, and then you found the body and you realize this case was more dangerous than you thought. And he's like, and then we found the body and we realized like they always repeat what the newscaster says. Anyway, the dudes from Wisconsin, from the GBPD, were just like, she's asking, she's asking questions. She's like, so is that when you thought maybe the boyfriend did it? And they're like, well, you know, we got to get, uh, we got to get sufficient evidence to make an arrest on that. Like it was super Fargo-y. And you could <laughs> tell she was getting more and more pissed off. And every time they do these datelines, like it's either a dog walker or a jogger that finds the body. But no, it was two teenage boys who were clearing rocks out of Pawpaw's field, which is a thousand percent a thing you do on the weekends in Wisconsin. And then you go drink his hard liquor and they're interviewing the kids and they're like, did you ever imagine you'd find a human body? And they're like, well, no, but, you know, I mean, sometimes these things happen, you know, like no one is playing into their need for drama anyway. So there is an author that I'm very excited to read called Laura Purcell, who writes in the horror genre, but she's a woman and there aren't a lot of women in the horror genre. And she has this book called The Silent Companions. Get this. Where can I get one of those? A silent companion. (laughs) (laughs) That's what that's what Linus is. No, he is very vocal. When newly widowed Elsie is sent to see out her pregnancy at her late husband's crumbling country estate, The Bridge, what greets her is far from the life of wealth and privilege she is expecting. When Elsie married handsome young heir Rupert Bainbridge, she believed she was destined for a life of luxury, but with her husband dead just a few weeks after their marriage, her new servants resentful and the local villagers actively hostile, Elsie has only her husband's awkward cousin for company. Or so she thinks, inside her new home is a locked door beyond which is a painted wooden figure, a silent companion that bears a striking resemblance to Elsie herself. What? The residents of the bridge are terrified of the figure, but Elsie tries to shrug this off as simple superstition that is until she notices the figure's eyes following her. This reminds me of my mom's walk-in closet. <laughs> And I'll tell you why. Okay. My I was not expecting that. No. My aunt used to be a flight attendant on a now defunct airline. And when she would travel internationally, she would get my mom dolls from all the different countries she went to. She went to Ireland and got this very creepy leprechaun doll. Leprechaun doll. It was probably two and a half feet tall. Had a very bulbous nose, bright blue eyes, and like gray-haired eyelashes and very rosy cheeks. And it wasn't in a box. (laughs) It was on its stand. And it would sit at the top shelf of my mother's walk-in closet facing the door. Jesus Christ. My brother and I were terrified well, yeah. of this leprechaun doll in my mom's walk-in closet. Like, oh, it was frightening. And I think she knew that we were frightened of it because we told her. And she's like, she I'm not going to move it. it we wound hard. up telling her and she didn't bother to hide it. She just left it there. She's like, okay. Well, dolls, dolls are creepy, though. Like, I don't. There's something about, like, dolls that freaks me out a little bit. So that brings us to the end of our podcasts from RT and the end of RT, actually, because that was the last one. 
If you have ideas or questions or feedback, or you want to tell me that I'm so wrong about everything, this would not be the first time. You can email me at sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And as I said in the intro, if you emailed me and I haven't written back, I just found a whole bunch of email that I should have received in the spam and something other tab of Gmail, and I'm fixing it this week. So uh, if you emailed me and you didn't hear back, feel free to email me again. And I'm really sorry about that. Speaking of email, I have a message for you guys from Megan. I hope it's Megan. Maybe it's Megan. If I'm saying it wrong, I apologize. She sent me an email with some audiobook recommendations. And I know you guys love audiobooks. So I wanted to share this with you. Dear Sarah, I'm a longtime fan of the site and podcast and newcomer to audiobooks. I had to start listening to books when I was on an award committee for the ALA, or I'd never have been able to get through all my reading. Incidentally, if you're not familiar with the ALA awards, the reading list and the listen list, they might be of interest to you. Lots of genre fiction, and they come with read-alikes or listen-alikes. My brain's need to just stop being so awesome. Anyway, when I was catching up on the podcast, I was interested to hear that you love a single narrator and are a sucker for accents. Have I got the book for you? Stiletto by Daniel O'Malley is technically the second book in the Rook series, but I read it first and I didn't have any trouble following it. The reason I'm suggesting Stiletto instead of book one, The Rook, is that Stiletto is narrated by the amazing Moira Quirk. How great is that name? She replaced the narrator of book one, and while I read The Rook rather than listened to it, I've heard that the first narrator wasn't nearly as good. Moira Quirk, meanwhile, has an incredible sense of comedic timing, and the woman knows her way around an accent. Stiletto was the first audiobook I ever listened to where I really understood the appeal of an audiobook. She's also the narrator for most, if not all, of Gail Carriger's books. I've already read them, but based on how much I love Moira Quirk, I'm considering going back to listen to them on audio, maybe once I've finished catching up on podcasts. Well, that's cool. Thank you very much for those recommendations. One of the things that summer brings for me, and I'm guessing also for you, is a lot of time in the car. Uh, So audiobooks are definitely on my list of things that I want to stock up on. One audiobook that I purchased recently was inspired by a television show that my husband and I have been watching. So this is a bit of a weird recommendation for everyone, but I'm going to share it anyway. I was a little hesitant to share this on the site because I don't think that I'm technically watching legal copies of this show. In fact, I'm pretty sure that I'm not, but I'm also pretty sure this show was never released in the U.S. and it is so beautiful and so gorgeously well done and so peaceful and welcoming and I love it so much that I'm going to tell you about it. Um, But I don't believe that there is a way to watch it in the United States outside of watching it on YouTube. The show is called Great Canal Journeys. It's an older television show. I don't think there have been new ones made in a couple of years. And it is a, I want to say it's a reality show. It's part documentary, part edited, but it's actual journeys. The stars are Timothy West and Prunella Scales, who are British actors. And they've been married for over 50 years. And their favorite thing to do is go on canal journeys. Prunella Scales has dementia when the show is recording and I think now has advanced Alzheimer's, but it's all about their taking their little canal boat up and down different canals first in England, then they go to Scotland and Wales, they go to Sweden, they go all over the place. And the show is, it's got that same sort of warm and welcoming, peaceful sort of tone to it that the Great British Bake Off early seasons did. They get annoyed with each other. He gets upset that she can't remember things sometimes. They do their own voiceover in the editing 
and they talk about the footage as they're as they're airing it, but it's also beautifully edited. So you get this sort of story of them and their now adult children and their marriage. And you get to see these two older people traveling all over the world, which I find really inspiring. So I've been watching that with my husband on YouTube, like a terrible, terrible person, because I don't think that there's any legal way for me to get it. However, Timothy West wrote a book called Our Great Canal Journeys, A Lifetime of Memories on Britain's Most Beautiful Waterways. And he narrates it. He's got a great voice. Um, he, he does a lot of voiceover work. I think he did a lot of Anthony Trollope's. I don't wonder if my grandmother ever listened to them. But the Great Canal Journeys book is overlapping some of the television episodes, but we've been listening to it in the car and it is just lovely. So if you would like a travel recommendation, that would be my recommendation for you. And that brings me to the end of this episode. If you would like to get in touch with me, please do, especially if you wrote to me and didn't hear back. I feel really bad about that. Our email address is sbjpodcast at gmail.com. And you can also tweet at me at smartbitches. This episode was brought to you by Whiskey Sharp Torn by Lauren Dane. Bo Petty has been searching his whole life. He's been searching for a place to fill the empty spaces in him, a way to tame his restlessness, and answers to a secret that he has never stopped trying to solve. He was not searching for a woman to claim all of him, but then Cora Silvera walks back into his life, and he is ready to search out all the ways that he can make her his. Cora has spent her entire life as the family nurturer taking care of others, and she is ready to pass that job onto someone else. It's in the moment that she makes that decision that her former teenage crush reappears, and the draw of their connection is like nothing either of them has experienced. He craves being around her. She accepts him, dark corners and all. Bo thinks Cora has had enough drama in her life, and he wants to protect her from the secrets of his past even if that means holding back the last pieces of himself. But Cora is no pushover, and she means to claim every piece of him. Because sometimes what you find is not what you were searching for. Whiskey Sharp Torn by Lauren Dane is on sale now wherever books are sold. This week's transcript is being brought to you by everyone who supports the podcast Patreon. Thank you, folks. You are terrific. The support of the Patreon community means that I have transcripts for each episode, I can transcribe episodes in the archive, and I can maintain equipment for live shows. I also collaborate with the Patreon community to develop questions. So if you'd like to take a look, patreon.com slash smartbitches. I also want to thank some of the Patreon folks personally. So to Debbie, Jane, Anna, Lil, Eva, and Anne, thank you so very much for being part of our Patreon community. Are there other ways to support the show? Yes, sing along or, you know, compose a rhyme in iambic pentameter. You can leave a review however you listen. You can tell a friend. You can subscribe, whatever works. But if you're hanging out with me and making this show part of the podcasts that you listen to, thank you. I am really honored. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. She's on Twitter, at Sassy Outwater. This is the Pete Bog Fairies Live at 25. This track is called Spiders. And you can find this album at Amazon, at iTunes, and wherever you buy your funky tunes. You can also learn more about Peatbog Fairies at peatbogfairies.com, and their whole back catalog is pretty awesome. Now, I get to tell you what's coming up on the website. You know there's a website, right? Yep, true story. There's a website. It was there first. Coming up this weekend, we have a guest review from Tara Scott, who reviews a lot of new lesbian romances for us. We also have a hide-your-wallet which is where we talk about all the new July books that we want to buy. 
And then we go my, buy more books because everyone else is talking about the books that they want to buy. And much like what you're reading, it's kind of expensive. We're also all about having less than zero impulse control here. So everyone who likes to find out what's on sale and what's coming out this month, come hang out with us. We also have a lovely guest review of The Kiss Quotient from a reader whose writing will probably make you cry. And we have, of course, a Bachelorette recap, reviews of new romances in several genres, and cover all. I hope you will stop by and hang out with us. I will have links to all of the books and television shows and things that we discussed in this episode, and links to some of the things we talked about, including Rebel Base from Kensington. But as always, I end with a terrible joke. This one's pretty bad. And I'm pretty pleased with this one because my kids went to camp and before they left, they wanted to watch The Princess Bride. So this is the perfect joke for me. This one comes from Beth P. Thank you, Beth P. What do you call a chronic fear of giants? What do you call a chronic fear of giants? Fee-fi-phobia. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? Oh, that was so great. Thank you, Beth P. So on behalf of Amanda and Elise and everyone here and all of the cats on my desk, we wish you the very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend and we will see you here next week. 